Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast. Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast, powered by CFM. I'm Mark Fleming-Williams. In this episode, I speak to Sean Saint of G2, the provider of alternative data around the tech sector. In our conversation, Sean and I discuss G2's primary business as a center for reviews about B2B tech products and how this has turned into a useful data set for investors in the technology space. If you have a data set that might be of interest for the podcast, please get in touch. So in this episode, I'm joined by Sean Saint of G2. Thank you very much for joining today, Sean. Thank you, Mark. Really appreciate you uh, inviting me on. Fantastic. Um, Sean, why don't you tell me briefly, um, let's start by just saying, what is G2 in the alternative data context? Yeah, absolutely. So I can actually start with what is G2 for just kind of the typical person who'd come across our site, and then I can walk you through kind of the use cases uh, with the underlying data. So G2 has been around for 10 years and we uh, kind of built a site um, similar to Glassdoor or TripAdvisor or Yelp only for software products, right? So it sort of behooved our founders a decade ago that they had more data and insight on what quesadilla to buy down the, sh- down the street or, you know, which pair of shoes to buy online than they did to spend, you know, to, spent $100,000 on a piece of software. So fast forward 10 years, we now have about 2 million reviews across every major B2B software product. Um, And we have about 80 million buyers coming to our online marketplace to shop, compare, and ultimately choose the right product for their needs on our site every single year. So the core audience has typically been um, buyers of tools, right? You search, uh, for example, we're using Zencaster, right? So you search best podcast uh, recording tools, you come across G2s. Sean, you're, you're you're blowing away all the magic here. You're going back. You're going behind the camera in the in the movie. Do you know? Do you know? So Zencaster, are you have you got it in front of you? Are you have you got a have you got a, a rating for it on your on your site? Do you know? I'm sure. Let me look. I actually use Zencaster in a past world. I remember it's highly rated. Um, yeah. So about four stars, uh, twenty-two reviews um, within within the category. And so, well, I think this is a very good this is a good very good in. I don't know if Zencast is going to enjoy it. We will see. But um, so it's got four stars. It's got twenty reviews. So twenty people have used Zencaster and have come to your site and said Zencaster is brilliant for what it does. The people who would have reviewed it, they would be um, would they be just a podcast host perhaps like me or would they be uh more of a company would they have to be a client of g2 to review to review it yeah so as long as they're a verified user of the tool then they can be the gamut right so some person may be uh more full-time doing this uh like on a production level some folks may just be doing this as a hobby some folks may be actually guests like myself Anyone who interacts with the tool is eligible to review it. And uh, that's sort of the only stipulation. So you don't have to pay. Zencaster doesn't have to pay to be listed on our site. I, as a reviewer, don't have to, to pay to kind of leave a review. We're trying to make the process 
really open and, and democratic. So uh, any product can get ratings and reviews. You don't have to pay us. And then ultimately that can help the product uh, shine um, as folks are looking for tools that could fit their, those products needs. So those 20 people who have reviewed, they need to prove that they have used Zencaster. How can they prove that to you? They do it through two ways. They either up, upload a screenshot of them using the tool itself, or they speak and talk long enough um, or review and type more specifically long enough to prove to our bots and our moderation team that they are a verified user. So typically folks will actually just upload a screenshot of them using the tool itself. So for example, I see a review from just under a year ago, it's a five-star review. Um, and the, verif the, the reviewer uploaded a screenshot or submitted the review um, within the app. So, mm. Okay. And so, um, and so that's, that's your example. So just to run back through, sorry, we've got, we've got four star reviews average. You've got 20 reviews. What other information do we have in this case? Let's see. So we can do the breakdown of reviews by company size. So the majority of these reviews are coming from SMB groups. Uh, we can break down by, um, star rating, of course, uh, we can also give you a little bit on the pricing of the tool itself. Um, nice. Okay. And then um, you can, okay. And that's, that's probably scraped, I imagine, perhaps from, from Zencaster's website, maybe. Um, or did you, or the, did the customers tell you that? It's mostly the customers that um, submit information about their listing because, you know, everyone kind of has a listing. So they are um, more, inclined to, to share, or excuse me, it's actually uh, the Zencaster folks that would typically submit the, the pricing information, right? So okay. typically a marketing individual is managing the Zencaster profile like they would and complement their LinkedIn profile or perhaps their Glassdoor profile. And they want to make sure that it's accurate. And we do a lot of research at G2. And one of the things that we found is the key piece of information that buyers look for is the price, right? on the early research process. So we want to enable that content to be readily available for about the 80 million buyers that come to G2 every single year. Got it. So for the, for those who don't, who don't know, cause we've, we've really gone Zencaster heavy in this, in this podcast, Zencaster is a, um, free, um, well, you can pay for services, but it's a, it's a podcasting tool, which is a very easy to use online, um, site where, uh, the both uh, the interviewer and the interviewee, their vo voice um, uh, files get recorded separately. So it's very useful for editing. So it's, it's a kind of podcaster's aid. So using G2, having looked at Zencaster, and we've, so we know what, whether people like it, we know vague, vague ideas of pricing. Um, we know how many people have, have, have reviewed it. Can we then look across at competition easily? Yeah, absolutely. So the site makes it really easy for you to zoom out into the category itself and see who else is in the space, uh, see the most common competitors, and also you know cut and compare based off of persona, right? So you know an enterprise organization has a lot of has a lot different needs than you may, Mark, doing this kind of on your own, yes. right? Mm -hmm. Where I don't I don't think you're going through legal security um, review with with this nope. tool, but um, big organizations would so we can uh, cut the cut the information to the persona that's most relevant. 
And so right now, how many how many um, competitors to Zencaster is coming up? Let's see here. Um, we have a lot, actually. We have mm. 20, 30. So one of the things that's actually kind of interesting is within the software space, it, stuff gets complicated and complex very quick. So G2 covers about 150,000 products across 100 thousand companies. And of those 150,000 products, we have about 2,500 categories available. So there is a lot of complexity, right? With uh, the specific categories, new categories that are getting broken out with software always changing and evolving. It's difficult to make buying decisions, right? Because 20 products is actually kind of difficult to sift through, right? So that's why filtering based off of reviews and also reviews that are similar similar to the um, company that you work for are helpful proxies to find the right information. Could you, if you are, so could I use you in theory as a podcast host, could I come to, to you G2 um, and say, right, I want to work out who I want to make my podcast with. And I would presumably say I want at least, I don't know, five reviews. Um, and I want to then rank by average. Would that be, and then, you know, the pricing information would be useful as well. Or maybe I'd put some pricing filters in there as well. Um, and so it's probably the most basic use case, but is that, that would be doable with you? Precisely. Yep. Okay. Um, okay. One more question, uh, which I should have covered earlier quickly. Why, why are those 20 people reviewing on G2? What's in it for them? What's their, what's their motivation for, for submitting those reviews? Yeah, so typically it's gift cards. So G2 will incentivize folks to leave these reviews. Um, and we do that through $20, $25 gift cards uh, for folks. And so as a result, you know, we need to build up this massive community of reviews to ultimately enable buyers to come to G2 and shop around and find the right tool. Uh, so we give folks money, which is a pretty you know, straightforward incentive. That's capitalism at its best. Um, and you've got 150,000 technology products um, on your... Are you able to say how many reviews you've got? Yeah, so we have uh, just under 2 million. So we're at about 1.9 million today. We should get to 2 million reviews in the next two or three months. So ideally, still in the year, we'll get to 2 million. And you've been around for 10 years. Um, are there, is there a way of uh, uh, limiting so that it's the most recent reviews so that you haven't got the ones from 10 years ago? Exactly. Yeah. So what you would be very unlikely to actually see any of the recent reviews if you were to go on the UI, kind of the free online public platform that we've been describing today. Um, that information is not too relevant for buyers, right? Reviews from 2012. Uh, mm. So those those don't get really really shown uh, within the data feed. Of course, you can easily filter and sort into the reviews uh, first left in 2012. I actually think the first review we actually got on our site was our CEO's dad, um, mm -hmm. who used yeah who used um, some CPQ tools, uh, which is uh, just a very specific category of, of products that we have. Fantastic. So, so far, we've heard that you're um, handing money out um, to people for free. Um, how, how are you getting money in? Where does, the, where does the business come in? 
Yeah. So there's a couple revenue streams. And uh, when we dive into sort of the, the data business that we're serving to investors, I can share a little bit more about what that looks like. But the core revenue stream that we have is um, selling to the Zencasters of the world. Uh, and what we sell to them are sort of two key value adds. The first is uh, what we call buyer intent. What that means is when Coca-Cola or big organizations or any sort of organizations are going and shopping around um, for products like Zencaster on the G2 site, we alert the Zencaster individual and tell them that, hey, Coca-Cola is visiting your page. They're comparing you to your biggest competitor. In turn, Zencaster uses that in their sales and marketing efforts. So that's one piece of, of kind of our, our product offering that we call intent data. And then the second is we license out content, right? So if Zencaster is voted easiest to use this month or this year or this quarter for within a, the category that they compete in, uh, they should be empowered and enabled to use that information, again, in sales and marketing material. And they buy that capability. Yep. Yep. So we have about 3000 customers all on sort of annual contracts. Typically they're utilizing the buyer intent data for automated sales and marketing campaigns. Uh, and then they will tout their, uh, and, and use the G2 content as credibility, right? So, uh, for four quarters in a row, we are voted easiest to use. We understand that ease of use is a key purchasing criteria for the buyers that we serve. Right. And, and this is a validation from unbiased reviewers. That's kind of the talk track that folks would utilize um, for the content offering in, in parallel and harmony with the buyer intent offering. I saw a um, pasta delivered to your home company advertised on the on the Metro this week um, and in their uh, tube advertisement, then they had their trust pilot rating um as part of it so it's you're, you're you're kind of sitting like that in that case you're you're showing your software um g2 being the kind of software trust pilot of software um rating for for, for zencaster in this case precisely yeah and i actually know zen um excuse me um trust pilot does have a product that's that you know a data feed product and they sell that to investors so i'm not sure if uh you've worked with with the that group but I, we do hear we do hear about about that offering in the same breath of of G two very very similar uh -huh. just slightly different um, kinds of reviews that we're collecting. Interesting. How? Uh, well, ours are just all on the B two B side as opposed to the pasta delivery uh, use case. So yeah. you know, investors would probably buy both sorts of data: reviews on B two B products and then reviews on kind of the those B2C consumer tools. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, okay. So that is your, that's, that's kind of what the company started off as being. And, and we've kind of covered G2 as a basic proposition. Um, I, am I right in saying that the selling it as data to investors um, is something which starts when you come in, that you are the kind of, you're the, you're the, you're the daddy of this, of this side of the business, which we're about to talk about. Yeah, it, it definitely was a, um, it was unexpected. I don't think we thought we were going to have a 
maturing, call it, and healthy business, um, selling this underlying information to investors. Uh, and yeah, certainly some level of serendipity, um, but has been an awesome, awesome ride for the last three years. So excited uh, to dive in. Fantastic. So you are, so you joined in December 2018, and you're now a manager of Investor Solutions. So um, how did you realize, how did you guys realize that there was a market here? Do you know? Yeah, so we had uh, our CEO, as you can imagine, is very well connected in the investor world. He actually sold two companies in the past to Salesforce and Oracle, respectively. So he would have, um, he had kind of an investor or two come to him and say, like, we use G2 all the time. You seem like an interesting product. Like, do you have more data um, and is it readily available? And the answer to both those questions is yes. We have more information than what is publicly available and what we've discussed so far. And we have that information in data feeds or other um, ways to ingest the information that are conducive to an investor's research process. So um, because we could fulfill both of those high level asks, kind of our CEO did realize that there was an opportunity here. And we had signed up one account actually on a trial basis, and they needed someone to kind of do the heavy lifting, do the grunt work, right? Get the contract to legal and do all that kind of fun tactical stuff. And um, they tapped me. I was kind of in a uh, kind of in a role that was outside of our core, our core business. So it was easy for me to kind of pivot and be flexible. And then the next thing I know, I am like, wow, these, these client, this client is very, very smart. What they're looking to do is write down the fairway with uh, like the purpose of investing, right, is identifying interesting companies and diligencing them faster and helping them be successful. Uh, and I think that there's more accounts like that. So I first met this trial customer in early 2019. And then probably by end of summer of 2019, we had what I would call kind of a product and we were smart enough to be dangerous um at, at that point smart enough to be dangerous we knew the use cases we knew the use cases a little bit more as opposed to like hey here's our data let us know if you need help you know we yeah. were able to say hey you can sort this on a time series and filter by satisfaction or or number of reviews over time or here are our recommendations for how to use the data um, so what so what do you see the use cases as being yeah. So I mean, uh, I mean, how many are, are there? Lots. Are there, is that too broad a question? I'm. It's there are not. A, I mean, not a ton. So I would say go probably on. let's 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 go through them. Net new company identification is we can start like with the with the funnel, right? So net new company identification. Our core kind of customer um, is anyone who is a well resourced investor. I would say at this point. Um, especially focusing on software. A lot of organizations are using G2 data to find net new companies on the rise, right? So a simple example here would be in the last 30 days, which product on G2, um, that's an SMB product, right? So a small organization, maybe an organization with less than 30 employees. Of those organizations on G2 with less than 30 employees, which company has seen the most reviews in the last 30 days? Right. Like that is a very rudimentary signal 
Um, but certainly something that people should pay attention to if those companies aren't on their radar. So it's that's basically like, it's measuring buzz basically around a new product. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. I mean, there be there, and they want it to be good reviews, probably as well. Or is buzz? Do you think buzz is is interesting, whether whether they're good or bad reviews? Yeah, you definitely want you definitely want good. That's where I think you can go more nuanced, right? Uh, a five star review, you add a couple points in your model. Uh, enterprise a review from a big company, you you add a couple other points. So um, you can tip the scales however you'd like. That's best for your process, but. To me, that is like the standalone, a very simple, straightforward use case. I think where it gets a little bit more interesting as you go down the funnel is uh, kind of enrichment of existing accounts, right? So a pain point that we see with a lot of, call it growth investors, right? Who are looking at products that are post product market fit and they need to identify the, the key winners who are gonna scale really quickly. Typically what ends up happening is a lot of our customers, they have associates who are tasked with with monitoring two to a thousand companies, right? And there's just no way to be able to quickly and effectively keep your finger on the pulse of the two to one thousand companies that you're monitoring to build a relationship with. So they will enrich each one of those records with the G two with G two data. How many reviews does this product have? What's the net promoter score? Uh, what category are they in? Has buyer interest increased or decreased in the last year? And they just use that as a simple filter and complement with some of their other signals they have around headcount growth, uh, last valuation as a way to gain clarity on which companies they should be prioritizing. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's pretty sensible. And then I'd say the the last two, broadly speaking, is once you've identified whether it be a net new company or prioritized an interesting company uh, to build a relationship, um, you know, and and you start to to build that relationship, and you see something that's pretty interesting, and you go into kind of diligence phase using G two and complement with kind of the diligence motions, right? So whether that be using G2 in complement with primary research, like surveys that you're commissioning or expert calls you have um, or consultants that you work with, you can start to better understand strengths and weaknesses of G2 of products on G2 uh, through a lot of our information. So as an example, we actually ask reviewers, did you switch from another tool? If so, which tool did you switch from, right? So of course, that's a pretty interesting signal if you're diligencing a product and they've churned or they lost 20 customers this year to the biggest competitor. And it was because the product was better because it was the pricing was actually more favorable, right? Customer support was better. Those are clear red flags that we can, we can provide to our investors really quickly. So, okay. So, and sorry, is that all the use cases covered? I would say the last one would be just a post deal company advisory, right? So especially this year, we're hearing that more and more, right, of portfolio companies that are um, perhaps struggling a little bit with the uncertainty this year. So how can we use the G2 data to advise on their go-to-market, right? So who is the, what are the individuals coming to G2? And do the individuals coming to G2 look like the customers uh, that the organization is going after, right? So you can use the same information of, um whoa, you're losing customers to this group, like, or you're gaining customers from this other product, we should use this in our sales and marketing, 
right? So um, that's the the other sort of use case is how can the cust how, how can the investors be good board members, um, you know, mm -hmm. to the to the portfolio company, and how can G two inform that? So I think. Well, I think I heard a few potential customers in there. I think venture capital is one. Yeah. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. And private equity for the slightly larger end of the of the of the tech um tech picture. Mm -hmm. Hedge funds who think they are like venture capital these days. Um I'd say that's that kind of all fits under the same under the same um thing. I would say a fundamental investor uh in a hedge fund would potentially be interested if they were um uh, if they were going further up the scale, perhaps in terms of size of company, mm -hmm. um, quants as well. Yeah, we have a uh, we have some quant customers as well. Okay, is that have I covered all bases? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think kind of growth equity that could sit between venture and private equity um, has been a has been a, a kind of a, a great spot for us as well. Who would you see as being your yeah? Who would you see as being your sweet spot? What's what's the what's been the historical most most successful segment in terms of clients, and where are you looking to grow? Yeah, so historically, I think when we started, we would have said hedge funds, just because you know they have the ability to make money often and see return often, versus privates where you don't have as many at bats, you know, to to sort of make money. I think what we're seeing more and more is growth equity being kind of that sweet spot, right? Where there's a N is relatively large. There's a lot of potential companies out there. So it's hard to, to track and manage them. The amount of data on those companies is relatively minimal. Um, and G2 can be a, a pretty helpful signal to prioritize organizations or help find those new companies as well as flag potential uh, concerning companies. So I'd say growth is kind of that, that sweet spot that we're seeing now. And kind of moving forward, I think that there's a, there's a couple opportunities, right? So we have just around 60 customers. So certainly not a huge cohort today. Um, that said, we haven't really done any sales and marketing in earnest yet, um, or marketing in earnest. We, we definitely do have a fully staffed sales team. Um, so just getting awareness out there, I think we'll naturally grow our um, customer base. And we're also thinking about some new products to engage our our existing accounts. Do you, I mean, just broadly, the, the tech sector obviously had a very fun uh, 2010s um, and has had a less fun 2021, 20, 22. Is that is that causing a shift in your clientele? Are you are you noticing that that there's a different type of person coming through the door? I don't know if some of those VCs may be feeling a little bit less rich than they than they had been. Um, so uh, you know that kind of thing. Are you seeing a, a changing um, a changing picture in that way? Yeah, I, I don't think as much as you know. Certainly, other sectors are. Um, that's just our perception is. Uh, we we hear sometimes you know organizations saying we're going to slow down slightly, but I think if anything, this pullback and kind of the, the the pain that we've seen so far only validates the need for data, right? To use that to make smarter decisions, to move faster, to be leaner. Um, so you know the the organizations that are you know pretty publicly like struggling or are 
or the funds that are not doing so great are also folks that um, seem to seem to still want to buy data and are now doubling down um, or or in fact are beginning to double down with with information is is what I'm what I'm seeing and I think the other thing is um, we think about kind of four categories of information that every really savvy software investor should have they should have their own information, right? So their own proprietary notes they have in an SCRM. They should have insights on the company, like year founded, funding, implied valuation, last check raised, who's on the cap table, which most of all investors have. You should have people data, right? Who Who's going to these new companies? What's the average tenure? What are the job openings? How much headcount growth have they had? Um, and then there's product data, which is where G2 fits in, right? What's the product market fit? Who are the competitors? Who's losing or gaining market share? And product data is both the least adopted across those four categories that I just named. And in a lot of ways is, is hyper relevant today because we're going to see a ton of amazing companies come out of this. And my perspective is a common denominator is going to be it's an, it's an amazing product. So um, in, in fact, if anything, it's been a little bit of a tailwind uh, and it's provided a little bit more urgency for our customers to ultimately move forward with G2. Interesting. Interesting. Um, is there anything which we haven't touched on that we ought to have? Um, we could touch on sort of our, our go-to-market and uh, or our product offering itself. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm curious kind of how you like how you think about this with other um, providers. So we started with a data feed. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of our core product today. The data feed itself is delivered through AWS S3 or Snowflake, um, which we just we launched us kind of on the Snowflake data marketplace at the very beginning of this year. We're now sort of starting to build more point and click tools. Right. So for the less data savvy investor, we have point and click offerings. And so we're just trying to feed um, or trying to service kind of that continuum of data to insights. Right. So data being the data feed model and then insights being a little bit more than spoon fed model. Uh, We certainly optimize for those data innovators and are now going and and tackling the long tail. So I wanted to share that with you, but also. I, you know, you have a really broad perspective on what people are doing and curious if you see more people starting with data feed and then going in dashboard or vice versa, if there's a, another mode for, for receiving this information, curious your, your thoughts there. Sean, you're turning it around on the host. Um, broadly, I think, I think I hear a lot that you, you need to be on Snowflake. Um, I think that's, I think that's a, that's a common thread and in terms of making it more user-friendly in terms of dashboards and things like that i see a lot of of well i mean all of the larger data providers have have will will have that or will be using uh, some kind of company which can facilitate that um and but then on the other side you've also got the 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 buy sides are pretty good at at a lot of the more sophisticated ones are quite good at ex- extracting the insights that they need from the data as well so um so yeah i don't i can't think there's any harm in, uh, in, 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 you know, coming up with your own dashboards and, and building out a good front end. I think that 
puts you in front of more potential eye- eyeballs. So, um, so yeah, I don't really have any any anything to contravene anything you said. I think it's I think it's all it's all positive. Cool. Well, Sean, thank you so much. This has been a, a very interesting. I'm very glad that we um, we've we've finally dealt with the elephant in my podcast room, which is Zencaster, which has always been present in every single podcast but never mentioned so um i feel like we've done it we've done it great justice today and and um and no great to uh, great to run through g2 um and um and best of luck going forwards with these exciting new possibilities perfect well really appreciate it mark and yeah happy to shout out zencaster it's a nice tool <laughs> excellent